0: Welcome to another episode of Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Neil, and joining me tonight is
1: Mark Hamer. It was the night before the new Destiny expansion, and all through the house, not a creature was staring, uh, apart from me making a mad dash of the bathroom at 3am because I'm not very well.
0: <laughs> is the expansion actually out tomorrow? Uh,
1: at time of recording, it is out tomorrow um, when the Destiny world resets at 6pm.
0: Oh, okay. How big is this expansion?
1: 37 gigabytes? (laughs) It's quite big. Uh, Well, I don't know for sure. I've been trying to avoid as many spoilers as possible, but I've had a few little bits of information. There are two new world areas, plus a a, a new... Well, uh, we'll talk about it when I come on to talking about what I've been playing. (laughs) That's fair (laughs) enough. How have things been with you otherwise? Uh, Aside from not being very well, yeah, good. Good, yeah. Just been... You know, plugging along, playing video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Yeah, kind of the same. I
0: yeah. had what well, nearly turned into a cold, but didn't quite get there. But it
1: just <laughs> it tried.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was playing up on me and just left me shattered. So it did so. Yeah, but but apart from that, okay, we'll go into games played. What have you been playing them?
1: Well, okay, so we might as well talk about Destiny too. Um, so. As anyone who's listened to the podcast for any length of time or seen posts on the on our blog, I have had a love hate on again off again relationship with Destiny 2. No really uh, as I did with <laughs> yeah as I did with Destiny One at its core, destiny is i'm gonna have to use that phrase game feel, uh, <laughs> but the game feel is just so good. like mm-hmm. Bungie talked a lot about in before they brought the first game out about um, the 30 second loop of fun Mm. like every 30 seconds of gameplay there needs to be something fun and as is to be expected by the people who pioneered you know the console shooter really um with halo it feels so good to just shoot aliens in the face yeah the so destiny 2 came out uh the story the main campaign storyline was great and the raid was really good fun very mechanically heavy Uh, But then you got into the end game grind and they had made it so welcoming to new players, which for them is great, Mm -hmm. that it kind of, there was nothing to do. There was nothing meaningful to do. Like you got to the power, you got to the the level cap really quickly and then it was just like, well, I'll just wait and see if there's any new events on. Whereas Mm -hmm. like the first Destiny, I was chasing that grind for or oh, six months or so after the first, after the vanilla Destiny came out, so I dropped off it. Um, came back uh, when the first uh, DLC came out and uh, played that, and that was massively disappointing. Uh, the campaign was very short, reused the same area several times, and condensed a really lacklustre story involving one of the most important characters in the Destiny lore into mm. a like two three hour campaign. Um, with a really lackluster ending uh, and then not very satisfying grind afterwards Mm -hmm. then warmind came out uh, and they did the same thing this time with two major characters in the destiny lore uh, condensed it into you know three four hour campaign that felt really underwhelming to finish um, but managed to do quite a lot to fix the end game grind but not enough for me to really care uh, and then, because the new expansion's coming out, they brought out this thing called Solstice of Heroes, where they uh, could re—basically, you got a bunch of challenges, and you would earn like a, a set of armor, and then you had to do a bunch of challenges to upgrade that armor to the next set level, and then the next level, and then when you got it to that third level, you would hit the light cap, like the mm. the, uh, the absolute cap. And I was like, well, if I'm going to get the new expansion, I might as well hit that, and then. Went back in for about two, three weeks grinding that and really, really enjoyed it and haven't stopped since the event finished. I've just been doing all the um, like quests to get specific legendary and exotic weapons that I hadn't done before. Mm -hmm. And it's been really fun. And then this past weekend, they had a 24 hour trial of the new mode that's going to be in uh, Forsaken, which is like, uh, could be potentially game changing. It's called Gambit. And it's a PvEVP mode. Two teams of four players. You start off facing off against each other with like a glass panel so you can have a dance-off before the match starts. And then you're dumped into two separate realms uh, and you fight off waves and waves of enemies and they drop moats and you collect the moats and you go and dump them in a bank the more moats you dump in the bank the bigger blocker you will dr- you'll drop into the other team's world now the blocker will be like a big enemy that stops the bank being available so they have mm-hmm. to kill that enemy before they can bank their coins and drop a blocker in your world and so on and so forth and then you keep doing that until you've got enough points for one of your players to jump through a portal into the other player's world and then their task is to take them out steal their moats and get back mm-hmm. and it's really really good mm. I was playing with randoms, uh, and it was you know a bit difficult to coordinate because we weren't on a voice chat. If you were playing with like you know three other people that you were talking to, I imagine it would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's just something that ha- I haven't seen uh, a multiplayer game mode quite like that, um, like a competitive PVE mm-hmm. um, sort of mode. Um, yeah, it does sound very different, especially in the battle royale era that we <laughs> appear to be in. Yes, yeah, it's nice to see someone trying something new rather than, you know, doing the same old thing all over again. Mm -hmm. Um, But aside from that, I don't really know too much about the Forsaken expansion, except for the fact that they have killed off everybody's favorite Destiny character, and so now the entire player base is, like, frothing at the mouth for revenge.
0: (laughs) How is the player base at the moment?
1: It's good. It's still healthy. Um, I mean most players i think have the same well there's there's like a a core of players who are just super hardcore and they never drop off and they're always playing crucible and the um trials of the nine super competitive uh pvp mode Mm -hmm. and grinding out lots of stuff and hunting for secrets and you know because bungie as terrible as they are at telling a coherent story are really really good at world building Mm -hmm. Uh, and the the world and the characters in the world is Really interesting, they just can't seem to figure out how to tell a coherent story with them. Yeah. Um, so there's been like a dedicated play base there, but then most people like me are just kind of like the drop off and then they get suckered back in <laughs> every time there's a new expansion. Uh, but this one promises to be on par with The Taken King, which brought Destiny One back from the brink of being you know everyone yeah. dropping off uh, and became incredible. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, it has the same effect. It's just a shame that they had to go down the same route as they did with Destiny 1 with Destiny 2 and then pull it back again. Yeah. You know, we shall see. Mm Mm-hmm for Destiny 1 is it completely dead now or i don't know to be honest oh, okay. uh, i haven't i haven't um played it since destiny 2 was installed i mean destiny 2 uh, i i noticed when i went into some crucible at the weekend which is the pvp mode um mm-hmm. there were a lot of new low level players because of course it's just been added to ps plus yeah uh, and so you only get the base game none of the expansions and you won't get access to forsaken mm-hmm. but there's a healthy bump in players playing at least the base game from that mm-hmm. uh, but destiny one i don't know i don't know how many people still play in that to be honest
0: how much life is left in destiny 2 do you think
1: uh that all hangs on how good forsaken is and mm. the uh, subsequent content that they've got planned that was part of the season pass which is a bit nebulous at the moment nobody's fully sure of what it is they said it's not campaign not story stuff yeah, but there's something else in like new areas and new challenges and new characters and things, but not new like story quests, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see. Yeah, but I have high hopes.
0: Yeah, how do you feel about basically the Destiny series being software as a service?
1: Well, I hate that term, like <laughs> it's live service, uh, because too many games do it uh, and they do it very badly. Or they, they do it very badly then manage to bring it back and, and somehow manage to do something quite good with it like uh, Ubisoft have done with Rainbow Six Siege yeah. um, with the ongoing seasons of content. But you don't actually need to pay any money mm-hmm. to get anything. like All new maps and everything in Rainbow Six Siege are free. You, the season pass just gets you some cosmetics and money to buy other cosmetics and you unlock all of the um, operators rather than having to earn them. Yeah. But Destiny is a it's 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 closer to uh an MMO. Yeah. But they have their their model is to have big exp uh, you know, a big main game, two small expansions, and then a year later a big expansion. And that's where we're mm-hmm. at now. So I I don't know if they carry on going down this route of if Destiny Three comes out again and it's really good, and then the end game turns out to be you know lackluster, and then the first two expansions are a bit meh, and then they pull it back again a year later, it's like, well, like how how many times can they keep pulling that trick, mm-hmm. and people come back? So they need to learn this time. Yeah. I still, for all the complaining I've done about it, I still enjoy just playing it, mm-hmm. and it's a very good social game.
0: Yeah, that always helps. And again, that brings it back to uh the sort of the mmo um kind of type of game and structure and what have you um that it is the social aspect of it that brings people back yeah what else have you been playing
1: so the other night i booted up uh battlefront 2 for the first time in ages because i uh hadn't played it in a while and i'd got it installed because um on a recent episode of uh last save loaded justin went into Excruciating depth about getting his TV set up to um, accept HDR. Mm-hmm. Now, my TV does HDR, but when I'd got it first plugged in, when I first got like a console that's capable of outputting HDR into it, I was getting saying, like, oh, you could 4K, but HDR doesn't work. And I thought, okay, maybe my TV is just HDR 8 rather than HDR 10. Turns mm-hmm. out like 18 months after I got it, uh, when looking through this, the the, the, um, the menus, it does do HDR10. You just need to turn it on. Oh, okay. Um, it's also only available on one... A hdmi port so i have to keep switching the xbox one and the playstation 4 around until i get some sort of hdmi sp- switcher yeah but uh, so i just uh, i just went through and i was like okay right which games have hdr support and just downloaded a bunch of those and mm-hmm. so i jumped jumped into battlefront 2 for the first time in ages that game is still a really good fun casual shooter uh, especially now that they've Taking out all the microtransaction nonsense, and uh, uh, and there is a decent amount of content in there, and there is still a massive player base. Like I was jumping into forty-eight player matches, like no problem whatsoever. Oh wow! Okay, like it was was jumping in, no problem. Um, Full lobbies uh no you know, like server lag or anything like that which DICE mm. have suffered from in certain games the first 6 months of Battlefield 4 was unbearable mm. uh so yeah i mean it's it's if you can pick it up cheap or free ideally <laughs> um <laughs> then yeah it's it's a really good casual shooter it is very casual like aiming down sights makes no difference to your accuracy mm. um so most people just switch it to the third person mode and you just run around and just shoot whatever and chuck grenades and if you've got a headset on it just looks and sounds like star wars and if you're a bit of a star wars nerd then you can't get much better than that at the moment to be honest
0: Mm, true
1: so apart from that um been playing overwatch Mm -hmm. um surprise surprise still play that on a regular basis because it's it's to be honest it's the only um uh, multiplayer game that my other half really plays anymore like she's just hooked on um on overwatch but then both of her sisters also play it as well mm-hmm. so um we all jump on and you know have a, a, a good session together um so they've recently had the they, they have these times events um like they have them around halloween they had one around chinese new year they have them around christmas and so on and so forth uh and it was the annual summer games uh thing and it's basically like they chuck in a few new modes and it is basically just trying to get people to you know, spend a bit more money on those loot boxes to get the special <laughs> skins. Like before yep. they they used to be like uh summer like Olympic Games themed mm-hmm. um outfits. So like Zarya would have like a like a Russian weightlifters outfit on and Lucio was dressed in uh, um the Brazilian national football team kit and whatnot and stuff like that. But this time it was all like beach wear <laughs> and some of it was quite <laughs> funny. Like there's a character called Anna who's um the I think the oldest character in the roster. Uh, mm. and she'd got her beachwear thing was like old lady you know, big hat sunglasses and a shawl <laughs> mm. sort of thing um i wasn't i wasn't bothered about most of that to be honest there was one particular skin that i wanted which i, I managed to grind my way to getting uh but they add in some interesting modes and one of was called lucio ball which is kind of like rocket league um mm. Each team has three people playing as Lucio, and Lucio is like a character that moves around on sort of rollerblades, and he can wall run, and his gun fires sound, so it can do like a push. Uh, And you're basically just trying to, you're in a big like um, Rocket League style arena with a ball Mm. and just trying to score goals, and it's really, really fun. Uh, So I played as much of that as I could before the summer event ended, and now I miss it. How
0: long's Overwatch been out now? Is
1: it two that's at least two, isn't it? Years. Ooh. Uh yeah, more than two years now. Yeah. Uh, and they still like they still haven't charged for anything uh, apart from the loot boxes, which uh, you earn them for such a ridiculous clip. It's like, it's not worth paying for mm-hmm. them anyway. Also, you, if you did, you'd be disappointed in what you got in them because of the, the, the random rolls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the new characters, all the new maps and everything have all being completely free. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. people are paying for these loot boxes because they managed to put on a, you know, a massive esports event, uh, tournament culminating in a final at the Barclay Card Arena in New York and they managed to get DJ Khaled to appear And so people are obviously paying for them otherwise we wouldn't afford this stuff
0: otherwise the Belgian government wouldn't have banned them
1: yes, yes, yeah that was one of the big news stories wasn't it was it, uh, now the loot boxes you cannot buy them in Belgium Yep. only Belgium uh, but it's the beginning I think mm-hmm. at least until we leave the EU <laughs> <laughs> mm. yes yeah, Overwatch um, was great and continues to be great. Mm. And then finally, uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate on the Switch. So, um, Monster Hunter Generations was three DS game. It was a um, sort of like a celebration of first, second, third, and fourth generations of Monster Hunter and all the, like the side Monster Hunter games. Yep. It had like sixty something, sixty something monsters in it. Um, various different locales and villages and hubs from the different Monster Hunter games, uh, and then they added in a bunch of new like stuff like uh, m- uh, Hunter Arts, which completely changed the way that your that you use the weapons, that completely changed mm-hmm. the move set, and would put give you like these special moves that as you attack you built up a meter and then you could use the special moves. And uh, Generations Ultimate is the Western Port of Double Cross, which is the Switch version of Generations, uh, but with an additional thirty-something monsters, and it's like ninety-seven monsters. Wow! Yeah, it's it's huge, and I mean, it's quite clearly a port of a 3DS game. They've done as much <laughs> as they can, but it is not, um, you know, it looks it looks considerably better than like Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the Wii U. Okay,
0: and that looks pretty stunning anyway. Okay, I know it's not Monster Hunter World stunning.
1: That's the thing, yeah. Like, for, for people coming, for people who like Monster Hunter World was their first Monster Hunter and then jumping into this, it's going to be quite a shock. uh yeah. especially not just graphically, but also the fact that uh, lots of the quality of life changes that they put in Monster Hunter World aren't in um, Monster Hunter Generations. Mm-hmm. Things like. um your uh, pickaxe breaking and bug bugnets nets breaking and yeah. every time you sharpen your weapon you use one of your whetstones mm-hmm. and so on and a lot, lot lots of things like that and, and little things like when you drink a potion having to do the hero flex <laughs> so uh, yeah it's 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 really good fun um it's yeah it, it's a little bit more old school than monster Hunter World, but uh, there's just such a huge amount of content in there And the Switch has already got such a massive player base, um, especially in Japan. And there's lots of people playing Monster Hunter online already. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not struggling to find online, like, like, you know, uh, getting into full online lobbies with 4Hunters at any time of day or night. Uh, And it's just, yeah, it's just really good fun to have. Like, um, this is the, the best... Iteration of a handheld Monster Hunter game because that's that's how I've been playing it the most. I've never actually been playing it on my TV that much. I've been playing it handheld most, and it's the best iteration I think of of a handheld uh, Monster Hunter because you've got more, uh, the sticks are more tactile, uh, and the the layout, the screen's bigger, and the layout of the buttons is a little less cramped than on a 3DS. And you've just got you know a slightly more powerful processor, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really really good. So if, you, if, you, you know, if you've got a Switch and you've played Monster Hunter World and you're curious about what Monster Hunter used to be like, this is sort of like the, the best of everything that came before Monster Hunter World. Hmm.
0: And Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate was only just released. Is there a hmm. demo
1: available? There is, yes. Uh, there's a demo. Uh, you can fight um, three monsters. You can fight the um, Great Macau which is like the, the feathery thing that jumps back up in its tail and kicks people a lot. Mm-hmm. There's the, um, what's the monster? It's like a saber-toothed tiger, but it's got wings and it breathes cold. One of the main characters in Monster Hunter Stories has got one as a, um, a sort of companion.
0: Uh, I call it a Xenogor.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, then the last monster is one that's completely brand new that was thrown in which was which was an absolute bastard and none none of the attempts I managed to to get into with other people online we managed to take it down it's a, a giant black dragon with guns on its wings so um <laughs> yeah looking forward to fighting that one in the in the main game but yeah there's mm. there's a demo on there um with uh, three full hunts I think you only get like 20 minutes per hunt.
0: Oh okay, nowhere en- enough time to get a flavor, but nowhere near yeah. enough time to actually take them down. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And there's like um, high-level um, armor and weapon sets for each of the weapons, so you can try out all of the weapons, including the prowler, which is you basically play as a palico, like mm. a, a super angry palico with like little claw hands. <laughs> um, so you can try out all of the weapons plus the palico and fight three varying degrees of difficulty of monster. Mm. So Excellent. give it a yeah, give it a try if you've got a switch and you're curious because, uh, it like I said, like lots of the the quality of life changes that they put into Monster Hunter World aren't present here, so it might not be your jam.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Is that everything that you've been playing? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from um, <laughs> just playing more New Star Cricket on the phone. <laughs> I really enjoy that game.
0: I have played the um, New Star Soccer Manager, but I just couldn't really get into it
1: yeah it didn't grab me either
0: yeah it's I think it just overcomplicated complicated everything uh, more so than uh just new star soccer and yeah and I'm not good enough at the little player bits and then being or caring enough about the managerial side of it either so mm. yeah I was impressed by what it is but it just didn't grab me at all
1: yeah, but by, by incorporating too much, they kind of lost a little bit of what was special about yeah New Star Soccer, um, which is still a great game. It is,
0: yeah, absolutely. For the games that I've been playing then, um, I'll talk about a couple then I've just been playing but haven't actually beaten yet. Um, I've been loving my time sitting playing SteamWorld Dig 2. It is such just a lovely little chilled out platforming mining mm-hmm. game uh, with the occasional boss fight thrown into it. It's basically just a massive upgrade of Steam World Dig. Um, there's better graphics, the levels are bigger, uh, the music's better. It's just a wonderful game. Um, I've been playing it on PC because it came, was free on the Twitch.tv games for a while. I think over the summer they had like uh, a whole month where they just gave away like 20 odd games or whatever. So that was one of the ones that I picked up. Nice. And I've been thoroughly enjoying that, and maybe, hopefully, about halfway through Mm. it-ish. But again, it's just one of those games that I'll put on every so often. And any little bit of progress that you make in that feels like progress. um, You know, it automatically saves whenever you return back to the hometown, Mm -hmm. whatever you anyway. Um, Or even sort of enter into a new area, it just automatically saves.
1: See, I love the characters in that world and and the yeah. character of that world. Um, but the game itself didn't grab me quite as much as I hoped. Like, I've got it on Switch and I'll uh-huh. jump in and play it every now and then. But it didn't grab me in the same world, that, uh, in the same way that um, SteamWorld Heist did. Yeah. Like, SteamWorld Heist, I think, is a fantastic game. Yeah.
0: Uh, Heist is brilliant. But then they are very different games. But it's really good to yeah. see that they are both set in the same universe as such.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, very much their shared sense of humor. Yep. Um sort of this like Rust Bucket Wild Wests in space. Yeah. Sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, just thoroughly
0: enjoyable little games. Yeah. Um I've also been playing a little bit of Blue Estate, uh which is a game based on a comic series as far as I'm aware. Um think of it as sort of a PC version of House of the Dead Overkill. It's very sort <laughs> okay. of Grindhouse, tongue-in-cheek, although slightly sort of racist overtones um, (laughs) within like the the first five minutes of the game, which was really strange. Um, It's just not something you're necessarily used to, Um, but I suppose that's the way they've written the character. Presumably that's the way the character is in the comics as well. Hmm. Gameplay-wise, thoroughly enjoyable. You don't really do. It's all sort of mostly mouse-controlled. Um, and sort of set up for different scenes and things. Use um, keyboard controls uh, to sort of duck behind or make certain movements and what have you to like swipe the hair out of your face and things, um, or to sort of knock away or you know manually block uh, melee attacks and things. Mm-hmm. It's okay, but yeah, the the tone of it felt very at odds. I think whereas House of the Dead Overkill has its tongue very much in its cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, this didn't quite hit the same sort of level as such. Yeah. Then moving on to the ones that have beaten, I uh, finally completed uh, a story about my uncle, um, which is a thoroughly enjoyable first-person platforming game is probably the best way of describing it.
1: Ooh, that's a contentious mixture of genres for some people.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, But it works, and mm. it's actually it's one of those rare sort of non-violent video games Mm. um especially for a first person game it's not that many that come come about really um apart from say you know walking simulators like dear esther and anna and things like that
1: would you class mirror's edge as being a largely non-violent game because the only time you ever engage in combat in that game is to Disarm an opponent, and then you just run away. He <laughs> actually spent most of that game just running away.
0: It can certainly be played non-violently. Yeah, picking up a gun and using it I and mean, whatever in that game is obviously by choice. And um, yes, yeah, um, people do make a point of playing it non-violently. So yeah, mm. but yeah, um, a story about my uncle. I took maybe five or six hours. Um, so after I'd finished it, or well. During periods where I'm having some difficulty and was looking up um, some playthroughs on YouTube, I found some speedruns and they were doing it like less than an hour for the <sighs> entire game. <laughs> so yeah, that says an awful lot about my skill level and mm-hmm. their determination to be very, very good at. Um, also surprisingly, um, a game that I played and beaten, but not one achievement popped for me. because It's all based on the time trial mode and what have you that you unlock mm-hmm. uh, after finishing it. And there's a couple of little sort of challenges in the actual game itself where you have to make it to, you know, from one point to a certain other point uh, without actually landing on the ground at any uh, stage or making it within a certain number of swings and things.
1: Well, like the floor uh, is lava sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that
0: sort of idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those challenges are hard <laughs> for mm. people who were maybe struggling with the game anyway. Um. But I made it through and I certainly wasn't disappointed mm-hmm. um, with the end of it. And I loved my time with it as well.
1: Yeah. Hmm. sounds interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely worth looking up. Um the graphics on it for being what you a lot of people would consider a small indie title and the fact that not not a lot of people know about it, um, even as a name as such the it looks fantastic. It is really really well put together. Hmm. And uh, just really well thought out, you know, the the spacing between the the anchor points that you use on your grappling arm are just really clever hmm. and they're just difficult enough To get you going back to having another go, Um, it's very like sort of Super Meat Boy in that respect. That if you you know you mess up, you're basically straight back to where you were, and you have another go at it. Yeah. And it's really well designed that way.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Also, I've beaten Esper on the Gear VR, um, which is a game by Coatsink, who are getting quite a reputation for themselves of being very good VR developers. Mm. Um, This one I played on the Gear VR and it is basically you are a um, somebody with telekinetic powers and you are basically in a testing facility uh, which turns out to be just one room um, in a sort of it's a toy company that they're using as a cover right but for each puzzle you're still in the same room and they just Bring in new bits and pieces from the walls, mm-hmm. or there'll be the floor tiles all sort of flip over and there'll be new things coming in. Um, there's things that block um, you trying to move around objects, switches, and things. And it's really well done. It works really well with the Gear VR. It wouldn't work as well in. A non VR environment because you are looking around you, looking around the room, and what have you. Yeah, and it does work with the uh, little gear gear VR controller that you can use. But the main sort of way of sort of grabbing objects and things is actually to put your fingers to your temple and use the wee touchpad on the side. So it actually, you know, yeah, the sort of standard telekinetic sort of uh, trope that you would yeah. get in sci fi films and things. Um, but just the humor in it, and what have you, is very, very nice. And uh, I have. Esper 2 as well I think I picked them both up uh, last year and so I'll get round to that one as well and I think that expands on the idea and pushes it a bit further as well so that'll be one to look forward to Little what I would call a fidget puzzler um, on Android Um, it's called Up Left Out it's by the same developer as um, other puzzle games one called Clocky K-L-O-C-K-I and Hook which again are both excellent little—I call them fidget puzzlers—because it's all about sort of pushing buttons, sliding blocks, turning blocks, and things to put together patterns and things, um, or making connected lines.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's—it's it's, it's kind of like a more elaborate version of those old little plastic puzzle things you got with like a, there was a picture on a on a grid of plastic yeah things with one space missing. And you had to slide them around until you assembled the picture. It is, yeah, very yeah. similar
0: idea, yeah. Um, The puzzles themselves are just so well thought out. There's been an awful lot of planning um, going into them. Mm -hmm. And they are just lovely to play, you know. A level will maybe take you maybe a minute, maybe two. And even if you get stuck, you know, it saves it at that point. So whenever you come back, you're at that level again. And you just have another go at it. So it's the perfect sort of thing to pull out of your pocket. Have a wee quick go at and then, you know put it away again um it's absolutely superb for those
1: have you seen a game i've i've heard a lot of people ranting about this on the internet but it's it's um um donut county
0: i have heard of it it's only out recently um, yeah. i've seen a couple of people saying they really enjoyed it mm. and i've seen a couple of other people say they just couldn't get into it mm. so i'm
1: undecided yeah I might wait until it goes on sale and then pick it up. Hmm. Um, I've left outs on um, on iOS as well for ninety nine p. So I might I might have a little gander on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely for ninety nine p. It's still.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, it's something I forgot. I I picked up the other day for seventy nine pence. Plague Inc. Have you ever played that game? uh no but i know sort of vaguely of it it's um
0: like spreading viruses around the world and things isn't
1: it? yeah yeah you're you um uh basically you you create a virus and you need to spread it around the entire world and kill off all humans and that's it really uh most fun you get out of it to be honest is is what you decide to call your your virus or whatever so <laughs> my first playthrough the world was killed off by brexit um but yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> but, uh, yeah there's a lot of good a lot of good mobile games out there once you once you you know sift through all the rubbish how is the um, android Store now by the way because it used to be sort of like a uh, yeah, almost like steam where it's just like trying to find good stuff was kind of difficult
0: um it still is it's if anything it's probably worse do they not curated at all they do a little bit um it's Not as good as the, sort of, say, Apple offering and what have you, but Mm. it's it's okay. I honestly don't use it all that much, or at least I don't use it... As a way of finding games, I use Twitter, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, you know, if people or even hot UK deals, um, somebody'll say, well, you know, this game's gone free or whatever, then I'll go on and actually look it up and things. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily use the storefront for actually browsing, just because it is such a mess, or you'd be in and out of, um, you know, the pages and things trying to find, um, something that might take your fancy. Mm. Um, I I just go on word of mouth really, um, uh, for a lot of the Android stuff. Yeah. Uh, last game I've been playing then was an alpha build of a uh, kind of a room escape game called Veritas. Uh, this is by a company called Glitch Games. It's really interesting actually. It's The story behind it is that you have volunteered yourself for some sort of medical research. Um, you have been taken to this facility and you can't remember what happened the day or a couple of days before but you wake up in your room It's a very sort of dirty prison, almost. There's scribblings on the wall. There's uh, just sort of mess everywhere. Mm. You escape your room to find that the rest of the facility is seemingly empty, although only recently emptied out because there are cigarettes still burning away and ashtrays and things. Mm. Um, The alpha build itself is only about, uh, I think it's two acts, broken down into maybe about half an hour playtime as such. And... Just trying to sort of find your way about finding all the little bits and pieces to solve the different puzzles. There's sliding block puzzles, there's code puzzles, there's little maze puzzles. Not quite eclectic, but a good range of different puzzles um, that you need to figure out. Also, fairly early on, you actually find a camera um, with which you can use to take in-game photos. Um, So instead of like actually having a pen and paper sitting beside you, um, You can refer back to any of the photos and things that you've taken to try and help you break codes yeah. um, and things like that. Mm. Really, really enjoyed that. The full release of that is coming out towards the end of the year. Um, It's available on mobile, PC, and uh, Mac OS as well. Okay. Um, So that's worth looking
1: out for. Hmm. I mean, how uh, creepy slash scary is it?
0: From the small amount that I played of it, it's not. Um, okay. It's just in a very... Um, dirty and grim environment but there isn't any jump scares or anything or um, any sort of haunting um, sort of feeling towards it um, or anything like that. It's a little dark in places. Um, I certainly had to turn up the brightness on my phone mm. um, on occasion just to see what was going on um, but not too much and certainly it's... for it being dark... Everything is really nicely drawn, and the scenes themselves aren't exactly static. You know, there'll be fans still turning, and there'll be lights and things um, sort of flickering and things, um, but very, very enjoyable. Okay. So well worth having a look at. Um, As I say, it's on glitchgames.co.uk, I think the thing is. Mm. Um, I've actually done like a little sort of preview um, article that's up on the blog now as well. Uh, So you can go and have a look at that. There's a couple of screenshots and things up there too. Yeah. On to the talking point then. As I say, the Nintendo online offering has, or information about it, is currently up on the website uh, Nintendo.co.uk. I'll run through basically what they're saying. So it offers a range of benefits. The first one being online play, which is enjoy competitive and cooperative online gaming in supported Nintendo Switch titles. Uh, So this obviously, and the names that they've covered, um, are Mario Kart Splatoon 2 and ARMS. Uh, there will also be Nintendo Entertainment System um, on through Nintendo Switch Online, so play a growing library of classic NES games anytime, anywhere, with added online features. There are 20 games on offer, um, they've announced 10 of them, so we've got Ice Climber, Legend of Zelda, Balloon Fight, Soccer, Tennis, Mario Bros., Super Mario Bros., Dr. Mario, Super Mario Bros. 3, and Donkey Kong. Hmm. They are also including in this then save data into the cloud, so securely back up your console, save data into the cloud, and please note this is not compatible with all software. Another part of it is the dedicated app for your smartphone or tablet, so you can use the Nintendo Switch online smartphone and tablet app to enhance your online experience. And as the further bonus, there will be exclusive offers for members. So enjoy exclusive offers only for members. Further details will be announced soon.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, we'll do pricing then. So for one month, it is £3.49 or €3.99. Three months, 90 days, six ninety-nine or €7.99. Euros. Twelve months, 365 days, is 17 99 or €19.99. Euros. Not sure what they'll do on leap years you might get a bonus day, but knowing <laughs> Nintendo, probably not. No. <laughs> um, there's also a family membership, which is 12 months, um, which is £31.49p, €34.99. And if you create a family group, you can have up to eight Nintendo accounts can use the Nintendo Switch online membership service for one or under one family membership. Now, whether or not that includes multiple Switches in a household... I'm not sure.
1: Mm, They've been a bit vague on that. Yeah, that is
0: mm. a l- very vague. Um, I suppose it also then depends on how many Nintendo accounts you can switch up set up on a Switch in the first place.
1: Don't actually know that. Yeah,
0: could be interesting. But mm. um, presumably there's at least four because I think there's you can definitely do four on the Wii U. I'm not sure if you can do uh, what the maximum is. Mm-hmm. Seventeen ninety nine for a year for online play. Online saves, being able to use the Switch Online smartphone app mm-hmm. and getting access to, they say, a growing library of NES games, but they're still NES games.
1: Yeah. Um. So, with terms, so in terms of pricing, it's less than half the cost of a PlayStation Plus or an Xbox Live subscription for a year. But with those two services, you get a you get a lot of um, free games. Mm -hmm. Like you know, up to five. If you've got multiple PlayStation's, uh, you know, um, PS4, PS3, Vita, um, up to five games a month of varying quality. Sometimes it's a meh month. Sometimes it's an absolutely you know bonkers month and you get some really really good games uh and you get decent games on um, xbox live as well and both of them offer big discounts in the stores if you've got a a membership as well and and so on and so forth and they have very well xbox has a very solid online um, networking systems playstation's getting there but it still has its problems in terms of pricing it's kind of neither here nor there really uh, yeah. But what you get with it, uh, so the save data to the cloud. So on PlayStation, uh, I don't know how it works on Xbox, but on PlayStation, you only have cloud access to cloud saving if you have a PS Plus subscription. Okay, yeah. so that's fine uh, because you're part of part of what you're paying is paying for you know an amount of cloud storage, which isn't free. Um, yeah. It's got to be set up in some server farm somewhere. So is that, again, they haven't said how much online data you've got. Traditionally, Mm -hmm. Nintendo games don't take up a lot of room, and I don't think their saves take up a lot of room either, but they haven't said what that is. Um, The dedicated app for the smartphone has been out for a while, Mm -hmm. and it currently has an invitation list, if you've been sent an invitation by an online lounge, and it has a specific app for Splatoon 2. Uh, where you can look at the the Splatoon 2 one's really good actually you can look at like your your recent uh, matches what loadout you used um, what your score was what your ranks are in various online modes Mm. news uh, and like there's a special um, shop where you can buy um, where you can order specific special items that are only available through the app and then buy them from a merchant in the game itself yeah. but that's it that is the only uh game specific app the nintendo have offered since they launched this thing god knows how long ago now six months <laughs> easily six months yeah. ago so uh, they need to really show what they're going to do with that like i was expecting there to be game-specific apps built into that for Mario Odyssey, for Mario Kart, for you mm-hmm. know Mario Tennis Aces, for, for all these games where I even, you know, Mario Odyssey has got quite a big online component with the with the different challenges, um, the score-chasing challenges and things like that. Um, I, I was expecting more from the app, and so far they've done nothing with it, so I'm not particularly enthusiastic when it comes to that. And then you come to the... Games that they're offering, and they are a bunch of games that you will have already bought multiple times from Virtual Console on ver- on various different Nintendo platforms. That so they're now offering you for the low, low price of seventeen pound ninety nine a year, but with some online capabilities. So you can yeah. play Ice Climber or Balloon Flight or you know tennis or whatever online. Mm-hmm. Now Nintendo's online first party games playing online has been pretty solid i haven't had a <laughs> problem with that at all um but everything else about it i mean they need they need to be offering more really they need to be offering voice chat through the actual console which we know it can do because you can do it in fortnite they need to be offering way more um, usability way way more functionality in the app Uh, they need to clarify exactly how much online storage you can get and they need to beef up the number of games that you're going to be able to get if it's just NES games Mm -hmm. great there's some classics in there don't get me wrong yeah but uh, eventually you're going to be like how can we get something a little bit more recent (laughs) yeah exactly You you know For the people who want to play those games, they have
0: already went out and bought the classic NES uh, whenever it came out. And it just doesn't feel like a very interesting proposition whenever we're talking about a generation of games, four generations back now, Uh, five, hang on, let's see. Right, we're on the Switch, so we've had the Wii U. We've had the Wii, we've had the GameCube, we've had the N64, we've had the Snares, and six. we're now six. Yeah, yeah six. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound appealing at all, <laughs> to be honest.
1: No, I know, I know everybody likes the backwards compatibility thing with Xbox and the fact that you can play 360 and original Xbox games on it. Uh, yeah. And Sony's got PlayStation now, and on the PS3 and the VT, you can play PS1 games if you bought them again. Yeah. But yeah, there needs to be a more attractive proposition than Mm -hmm. uh, a variety of six generation old games with some sort of online
0: as far as i'm concerned okay they'll expand that catalog and what have you but they need to take it up to at least a snares level yeah you know yeah they they really really have to because otherwise 17.99 for being allowed to play online and save data really doesn't appeal
1: you know what they could do that would be um and it might be a rights issue i'm not entirely sure to win over a lot of support would be like we're putting golden eye on the Mm. switch (laughs) with online multiplayer that would be great uh, that would
0: sell. Yes, of course it would.
1: But I don't know whether they have the rights to be able to to, to be able to do that. I don't know. What was... was...
0: It's a really grey area for the simple fact that it was both a film license yes. and the fact that it was done by Rare, who are definitely no longer Nintendo's no. best
1: friends. No, no. Uh, I think they're wholly owned by Microsoft, so... Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can't see that happening at all, so I can't. No. And even... Uh, I'm trying to think now, I suppose there was some N64 games on the Wii U. Um, but again, it's, they need to increase the presence of the virtual console uh, yeah. on the Switch.
1: Well, there isn't a virtual console on the Switch at all at the moment. There's nothing. Uh, they re-released uh, Donkey Kong, original Donkey Kong, for the 500th time uh, yep. recently. And suckers like me uh, went and bought it again. Just because of like the you know challenging friends online to uh, you know score challenges. Yeah. But um, yeah. Apart from that, there is there is nothing. There is Mm -hmm. not. I mean, their their answers to virtual console was the NES Mini or the NES Classic and the SNES Classic. Yeah. Which you know don't I I didn't get NES Classic. I've got a SNES Classic uh, and I love it. Absolutely love Mm -hmm. it. But uh, some more expansive virtual console offerings on the uh, Switch would be. Very much appreciated.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially the fact that they are doing so well with their indie offerings, and an awful lot of the games on that do harken back to that era.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes in terms of indie games, they're absolutely smashing it. I mean, it was Nintendo that first championed uh, Shovel Knight. Yep. And that has by the post-game the post-release post support for that game and uh, the expansions and, and additional content has been absolutely amazing uh, and mm. that is the that is the best classic Nintendo game that w- wasn't a classic Nintendo game if you follow <laughs> yeah. my meaning like Shovel Knight is amazing uh, and in t- yeah, in terms of indie games like the Switch is absolutely smashing it. it's it's like I haven't turned my Vita on in god knows how long because it's mm. Switch is now the go to platform for me to play for, for playing, um, you know, indie games. And it's, it's now the the amount of time between them coming out on uh, PC and then coming out on the Switch is shortened massively. Like, Into the Breach was out yeah. on PC not long ago and it's already out on the Switch.
0: Yeah, it was about, I want to say, maybe four or five months. I think certainly less than six anyway. Yeah, yeah, if that, yeah. We will wait and see until a lot more information is a little bit more concrete, but. Mm-hmm. They will get people purely because a lot of people will want to play or continue playing Mario Kart and Splatoon 2 and ARMS. And I'm guessing then all the rest of the third party uh, ones are tied into that as well. It will be interesting to see and presumably it will be that Fortnite will be tied into that too.
1: If they said that...
0: They haven't said that, so it's it's very much a grey
1: area. Because on um, other platforms, like on PlayStation, and I'm pretty sure on Xbox as well, you can our developers can opt out of needing to have PlayStation Plus, for example. And so, oh, free to play okay. games like Fortnite and oh, Fortnite Battle Royale, and like um, Paladins and things like that, you yeah. don't need a PS Plus subscription to be able to play those online. Mm-hmm. you only need it's mainly only need to, to play like paid games i think like warframe you don't need one either yeah so if they were then to lock Fortnite and paladins and games like that behind this online mm-hmm. system they could uh yeah that would upset a lot of people
0: yeah but then on the flip side of that then is well if i can play Fortnite online without a subscription why do i have to pay for mario kart <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's it's a really odd situation and yeah no as From the website, all it says is enjoy competitive and cooperative online gaming and supported Nintendo Switch titles. So it really is a very much a very, very gray area Mm. um, about what is and what isn't going to be uh, available. Yeah. It's sort of a suck it and see (laughs) or just sit and wait. There will be kick ups, um, I'm sure, on the Internet um either way about what will be included or what won't be available
1: yeah i mean this this is going to be the first real test for the switch because since that console's come out it's like it can do no wrong um mm-hmm. the uh, the library of, of first party games uh, has been fantastic there's been more third party support than i think anyone could have possibly imagined like yep. even fifa sold really well on the switch from what i understand yeah uh and that like i said they're absolutely smashing it when it comes to indie games like they've sold so many units of, of that console uh it's doing really really well this could be the first stumbling block yeah this could be the first time when when people say mm, no, no this is a this is this is a bad deal uh you need to offer us more for a you know 20 quid a year yeah but i will say though if if the uh family membership is available across multiple switches like mm-hmm. having eight accounts for still you know 10 pounds less than a ps plus subscription that's that's pretty yep. good <laughs> that's not bad no no, but i've got a feeling it would be just eight accounts on one console which is a. Hmm. but we'll see
0: okay we will move on to our egx preview then so so far uh, for egx Quite a number of titles have been announced um, that will be playable on the show floor. Mm -hmm. Um, EGX are still sort of touting over 200 playable games. um, As far as I know, not all of those have been announced as yet. Um, But we'll quickly rattle through the sort of the big AAA games um, as they're known. And then we'll sort of pick out a couple of choice raised ones as well. So far, the ones that have been announced are Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown Mm -hmm. by Bandai Namco. Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, by Ubisoft, Destiny 2 Forsaken by Activision. Destiny has always had, uh, or at least in the last three years, has had a massive presence at EGS. Yeah,
1: they turn up with uh, Virgin um, Infinity or whatever it's called, their fibrotic thing and have like a big stage presence and you can queue up and take part in some sort of competition.
0: Yeah, there's usually sort of online offerings and things mm-hmm. like that, and uh, yeah, there's always a massive crowd around that, because they're always showing something off or giving away freebies and things um, for teams and what have you playing, and even for the people standing in queues as well. Yeah. Uh, there's Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise by Sega, Jump Force by Bandai Namco, Life is Strange 2 by Square Enix will be playable as well, and um, I'm sure that'll draw a fair amount of a crowd as well. Um, it's starting to look very, very
1: nice. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I really need to finish the first one, uh, and then For the Storm, and then.
0: Um... I want to say Captain Underpants, but it's not Captain Underpants. No, it's, Captain,
1: <laughs> it's not Captain Spirit, is it?
0: Uh, it could be, actually, or something similar.
1: I'm, I think I'm thinking of The Spirit, that terrible film that was supposed to be the next. Um... <laughs> yeah, that looks really good.
0: Uh, then we've got Marvel's Spider Man, which will be obviously a massive um, presence on the Sony stage, but it will already be out. I know that's kind of a weird thing, and
1: it comes out on Friday at this point of recording. Yes,
0: um, yeah, we're recording on the third, and yeah, uh, Spider Man will be out. But then again, like E G X, it is always the case that quite a lot of big games are technically
1: already out. Yeah, I mean, the, the last time I went, I, mi- I missed it last year, but the year before, I queued up for like forty minutes to play one level of Hitman, which I'd been playing you know quite religiously (laughs) for six months before then um so yeah there there, there is always a a contingent of games that are already out uh, i guess just to try and get more people to buy them yeah of course it is you know
0: there will be an awful lot of people who don't just necessarily go out and buy day one games and actually like to get their hands on them yeah yeah spider-man looks very impressive Mm. but for me i'm not enough of a spider-man fan um to be overly interested
1: I uh, see Sp- Spider-Man's one of my favourite comic book characters because he's, like, m- most Marvel comic book stories involve saving the world in some way. Um, Spider-Man yeah. usually just stops some bank robbers. <laughs> and, you know, his stories are usually a little bit smaller. Like, you know, you're friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I, I just like right. that character. So I'm looking forward to that. As long as there's no musical dance numbers, it should be uh, okay. God, I'd forgotten about that.
0: Then we move on to Metro Exodus by Deep Silver. Mm. My Hero One's Justice by Bandai Namco. A Couple here from Ark, Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight yes. and Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm not quite as excited for them as uh, Justin from Last I've Loaded is. He's he's wetting himself <laughs> with excitement for these. Uh but yeah, I, I I I've got a soft spot for these Persona spin-off games, the the um the Persona fighting games and the Persona dancing games that they they just yeah. they're good dumb fun with characters that you love, you know.
0: Yeah absolutely we also have soul caliber six
1: from bandai namco starlink battle for atlas from ubisoft yeah which i'm um still kind of tangentially interested in i i've never gotten into a toys for life thing um unless you count amiibo uh but mm. this looks really good uh especially the really switch good. one with the with um the star yeah, Fox. actual arwing yeah. to play with i'm such a kid <laughs>
0: yeah the i think the price on that starter pack is what 70 quid nah. which is <sighs> yeah i might wait yeah that's to be expected for a toys for life starter pack anyway yeah. so it is um so yeah it'll be interesting to see the support on that going forward mm. um they've got street fighter five by capcom obviously that's been out for a long time i'm presuming
1: it's going to be some sort of tournament which i will absolutely watch
0: yep Uh. there's Tim sonic racing by sega Hmm could be an interesting proposition um i know certainly the sonic games are fairly well sonic racing games are fairly well regarded
1: the best um non-mario karts mario kart game like i know a lot of people got a soft spot for for crash team racing crash team racing got nothing on um sonic and all stars racing transformed that yeah. that game was, was yeah it's 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 incredible like um if, if you can pick up a copy of that on it's it's on old bunch of old consoles yeah it's on pc uh, as well yeah as well. um it's a lot faster than mario kart uh, but mm-hmm. yeah it's so good
0: <laughs> we then have the dark pictures anthology mm-hmm. man of midan um by bandai namco we have tom clancy's the division 2
1: by ubisoft will they have um will they have people on hand there to help you navigate through the 50 or 60 different versions of that game that they're selling the different packs and things. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many different like um standard versions and ultimate editions and definitive editions and and more ultimate editions and then and then (laughs) final editions and and like uh there's there is a there's like a grid on uh floating around on the internet at the moment uh to show you like what is included in each of the different packs Mm -hmm. and it's if you want everything it's 120 quid. Ooh. Right, and bear in mind they are not charging for a season pass. Yeah. That's things <laughs> like having uh, a larger storage area for your loot and yeah. stuff like that. It's so like <sighs> the first division came out and it was interesting but had a really flawed end game and then they worked so hard to, to earn back that goodwill by by uh, adding in lots of free content and like de- massively delaying uh, DLC that, that people had pre ordered until uh, so they could make it the best it was, and that game got into a really good position. And now it seems like that all that good work is going to be undone by Ubisoft's business people.
0: <laughs> it's always the business people, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> and last one to be announced for the sort of AAA um, area is Total War Three Kingdoms by Sega. Mm. Uh, Sega seemed to be. Doing really well with the taking over the sort of total war franchise, yep. and making uh, different variations and things on mm. it. Uh, it's good to see.
1: This is um, China, right? Uh, I think, yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I played uh, Total War Shogun, uh, and that was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Shogun Two, I didn't get around to play. It probably wouldn't run on my on my MacBook, but um, yeah, uh, those Total War games are really good, and the historical ones, as far as I understand, are pretty well rooted in historical fact in terms of like arms and armament and tactics and so on uh, and the actual mm. terrain that you fight on and the historical events. So if you're if you're like a, a, a deep RTS combat sim but you're also a bit of a history nerd, they're great. Yeah, they
0: do sort of look at the history books and things like that mm. and actually take a lot of their um, inspiration and design qualities and things from those. Yep. Uh, so while not maybe very historically accurate, they are definitely based in those eras and things and uh, don't take too many liberties as such. Moving on to the raised section, um, now we're looking at like over 150 playable indie games, so and even then, not all 150 of those have been announced, so I will go down and pick out a couple that I'm kind of looking forward to. Let's see, first one is Bleed 2, um, which is the sequel to Bleed, which is a manic, um, sort of pixel-esque 2D platformer which holds up very very well and I'm interested to see what they push a little bit more uh, for the second one. Uh, there's another one called Disco Elysium. I have no idea what it's about, but I just love that name. So, <laughs> <laughs> And again, a lot of these um, in the rest section, what have you, will be indie games that you've never heard of. Mm. This will probably be the first time um, anybody's sort of had decent eyes on them or will be reported in a lot of the press and things like that. And these will be the games that, you know, could potentially not even be out for another two years. because um, you I know certainly one of the ones uh, that I've played previously at EGX and then EGX raised um, a game called In Ops uh, by ZR Studios. Um, I played that two years ago, and they're still just about getting ready for a release. Um, now that started out as a mobile game, mm-hmm. and they are of uh, sort of transferred it over onto uh, consoles and things and sort of beefed up the graphics um, made the levels an awful lot bigger and really enhanced everything that they'd been working on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's taken them two years uh, to get to the stage that they are now, um, which is getting closer to release, um, but still not quite there yet. Mm. There is Dr. Dad's home for disposable clones, uh, which is coming up in the transfuser section. And uh, the transfuser one is uh, basically almost like a sponsored um, section for very, very small um, indie developers or indie teams um, usually coming out of college um, with sort of their first game um, or at least something to present to you know potential employers and things like that or looking at whether or not it's feasible for them Mm -hmm. uh, to set up their own little studios and things yeah there's a game called fogs p-h-o-g-s by codesync i just love codesync just as a developer they're up there with uh, rising star games and devolver digital um as creators and um, publishers mm-hmm. uh, so that's looking very interesting it's about a two-headed sausage dog <laughs> and it's adventures um so yeah that's that's all you really need to know mm. uh what else oh we've
1: got war groove by chucklefish yes that's one i was going to mention as well
0: yeah this is basically i want to say it's a new advanced wars but not developed by nintendo um or specifically sort of licensed by Nintendo Mm -hmm. it is an advanced version all but name Um, I played it at EGX about a year and a half ago and thoroughly enjoyed it um, from what I played of it, the demo uh, so it'll be interesting to see what has improved and how much closer they are to release it.
1: Yeah, there's there's a few games there by Chucklefish who uh, came to my attention when they uh, published Stargy Valley. Yep, and uh, so that, yeah, there's there's War and there's another one they've got in there called uh, Inmost, which is like a creepy puzzle platformer, Metroidvania sort of game. That's that's like uh, a little looks a little bit like. Limbo, yes, but um, enough of a distinction in style uh, and a, and a different sort of game. It's, you're not constantly pushing on. It's you, you have to backtrack and and whatnot. As you know, it's more puzzles involved in it. Uh, and uh, Eastwood, which is a sort of like '90s Japanese themed classic, like 16 bit JRPG, mm-hmm. which I can't get enough of. Uh, I love that sort of thing, um, and that looks that looks really good as well. Like uh, Chucklefish, have uh, I don't know how long they've been around for, but all of a sudden, like they're, they're bringing up all these really interesting looking games, and uh, it's good. Yeah. I think they're based in this country. I think so. Yeah, I think they are local. Yeah, and then of course, there's all the left field craziness.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, I'm going to make it my mission this year to play everything that I can in (laughs) Lefty. Good luck. Oh, I know. Every time I go into it, I sort of get distracted by maybe one or two little things in there. Um, And I... You know, After I walk away from the show, I see people on Twitter saying, oh, you really should play this in the left field, and I think, oh, I didn't get to play that. Um, One of the really interesting things in the left field this time around is a game called Tanglewood. Mm. Now, this is the first new Mega Drive game in, what, 20 years? Mm. <laughs> well, maybe not quite 20, but certainly... Um, ten, fifteen years. It is actually getting a cartridge release, um, as well as being released on um, some other modern platforms as well. Mm. Um, a lot of it is being kickstarted. Uh, so yeah, um, that'll just be interesting to dip right back into that era, yeah, um, because it is specifically programmed
1: for that hardware. Presumably, they'll have, you know, a, a Mega Drive there with it running on.
0: I would imagine so. I'd be very disappointed if they didn't.
1: Yeah, the the left field area is uh so it's the wild west of uh, indie game development like you go into that tent and you never know what you're going to see but uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, you'll come out with your eyes opened <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
0: also i'm going to try and this year and get back into the the national film and television area where it's all students work um they usually select i think it's six or eight um, each year mm. uh, and sort of sponsor them for the the stands and everything and some of the stuff that I saw last year was very very impressive um, unfortunately I don't think any of the projects that were being developed there um, have got as close to a release date um, but I have seen at least a couple of the people I started following them on Twitter mm. and have been snapped up um, by other studios and things that so are actually starting to do work for them yeah. Um, so yeah it's really nice to see that there is um, a career coming through um, the colleges and universities and things Ooh. and being able to see a lot of people's demo work um, almost um, before them being moved on to uh, sort of the bigger studios. Yeah.
1: And, of course, this year is, well, EGX has always had the sort of panels. Um, there have been some very interesting ones. I don't know what was there last year because it wasn't there, unfortunately. But uh, the year before, there was a couple of members of 65 Days of Static talking about how they built a procedural soundtrack for No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was some guys from IO talking about how they built a an episodic Hitman game, mm-hmm. which is very good. Uh, But this year, there's the um, EGX Fringe. I I don't think they've announced any of the actual full... Um, panels, but they've announced today um, at the time of recording at the EGX Fringe panels, uh, and there's some interesting looking ones in there. There's a football manager one, which I will absolutely be going to. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch of interesting looking panels. Basically, it's it's people were invited to send in a proposal for a panel, uh, and then they were mm-hmm. judged, and then they decided which ones are going to be there. And a friend of the show, Mark Chazzy Ray, uh, who helps me out quite a lot with the YouTube videos and does all of the graphics and stuff for that. Uh, his podcast, uh, honorable mentions, is going to be on uh, on the Saturday at four pm. I think. Yeah, I think it was about four pm. Yeah, yeah, four pm, right before the the computer game show podcasts, like mm, you, two hour live show, two hour. <laughs> Looking yeah. at the timetabling. Yes, yeah. Last time they did a live show at Resed, uh it, in, it ended up with John Denton wrestling uh, <laughs> Matt Murray. I think so. I don't know what's going to happen this time. But yeah, it's it's nice to see more like community inspired, okay, community created stuff. Um, like, yeah. Uh, in, in the panels, hopefully the turnout for them will be good. But yeah, uh, they, but they haven't announced who the actual tentpole talks are yet, have they? No, not as yet.
0: Yeah. At least not that I'm aware. Um, I know last year, um, I think Andy Circus uh, was one of them, <sighs> talking about sort of motion capture and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see um what gets announced this year and
1: was it rezzed this year or the year before where uh, i can't remember his name now the guy from irrational the bioshock dude oh uh, ken levine? yeah ken levine yeah. he was at rezzed yeah. like last year or this year i can't remember which one and mm. i think it was last year and then this year was um a double fine fella i'm really bad at remembering people's tim names Schafer. tim Schaefer, yeah
0: Lauren <laughs> <laughs> lanning was at um egx last year as well Oh, right? that's crazy yeah oh man because <laughs> i uh, i missed that bit of it but um whenever i was talking to um some of the students from the nfts they said yeah he was round (laughs) and they were just sort of gobsmacked yeah uh, that he was sitting playing their games
1: he seems like i've seen a a good few interviews with Lanning, and he just seems like a really genuine guy and he's just got so many mind-blowing stories about game development you know every interview with him seems to be really interesting
0: that wraps it up for this episode then of Lapse Gamer Radio. Uh, as always, if you want to get in contact with us, we are on Twitter at Lapsed Gamer. You can find us on Podbean just by looking up Lapsed Gamer Radio. You can find us on Spotify if you really want to listen to us through that as well, Lapse Gamer Radio. You can get in contact with us on laps Gamer Radio at gmail.com. You can find us and Mark's particular videos on YouTube on laps Gamer and let's see you can i don't know send a carrier pigeon probably uh, <laughs> oh um yeah go to lapsgamer.com and find our blog yes which we ac- very very occasionally add things
1: to yes uh i will be posting something in the next week or so uh updating my thoughts on destiny 2 depending on how forsaken plays out <laughs> so we shall see
0: and come back a week or two after EGX and I'll probably have some mad article with all the games that I've played yeah. <laughs> at EGX written down. <laughs> uh, they always do good numbers, those articles. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> probably because I tag everybody <laughs> that I went to see at EGX in them. That always helps. Yeah. So, from myself, Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.